الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الحمد وله الملك يحيي ويميت بيده الخير وهو على كل شيء قدير وأشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله وصفيه وخليله أرسله الله للناس نذيرا وبشيرا من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فقد رشد ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فقد ضل ضلالا بعيدا أوصيكم ونفسي أولا بتقوى الله وطاعته وأحذركم من عسيانه ومخالفة أمره أما بعد فإن خير الحديث كتاب الله وأحسن الهدي هدي محمد وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار Brothers and sisters Committed Muslims Allah Ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ma'idah and this is the 57th ayah in that surah Ya ayyuha من الذين أوتوا الكتاب من قبلكم والكفار أولياء واتقوا الله إن كنتم مؤمنين Translated this ayah means O you who are securely committed to Allah Do not take as your political patrons, your allies, your confidants, those who mock at your deen and make a jest out of it. Even as they are people of previous scripture and those who have altogether rejected the truth of Allah's power presence in this world but at the same time 
You, O Muslims, be conscious of Allah's power presence and take a precaution against His corrective justice if indeed you claim to be committed. Now this particular ayah was revealed in the midst of a cluster of ayat and this cluster ranges from the 51st through the 66th ayah of Surah Al-Ma'idah. This particular cluster of ayat is said to have been, to, to have been revealed after the truce or the sulh of Hudaybiyah. But it appears, according to Islamic historical sources, that quite a number of the ayat in this cluster were revealed well before Hudaybiyah. And in fact, they were probably revealed in relation to the power factions of the Zionists of that day in Al-Madinah. And of course in particular we are referring to Banu Qaynuqa after the Battle of Badr, Banu An-Nadir after the Battle of Uhud, and Banu Quraidha after the Battle of Al-Khandaq or Al-Ahzab. But the ayah that we quoted earlier, again the 57th ayah in Surah Al-Ma'idah is an ayah about what could in today's language be called hate speech. And of course, with reference to this ayah and with reference to the world that we live in at the present moment and over the past several decades this invective or this label of hate speech is deployed by the people in power especially as they are beginning to slip or lose their grip on that power against those who are traditionally not blessed with power, the oppressed, who at the same time happen to be in a position of gaining power. And so we say that this slogan or this invective is deployed by the people in power against the people who don't have power. And this is in part what this ayah is saying. Now in context, this ayah was revealed in an atmosphere where Jewish and Christian civic constituencies at the time of the Prophet had a level of power that appeared to be admirable to the Muslims who didn't have power. And so in a sense, like in all other eras of human history, 
those who have power are looked up to by those who don't have power. They're admired. They're revered. They're looked up to. They're even imitated. And at the same time, these ayat were revealed at a time when the Zionists of that day and these happened to be the Yehudi political factions at the time they had a level of power that could potentially sway the Muslims away from their own self-determination away from their activities of liberty and independence to such an extent that they could have been persuaded to give up that program altogether. And this is the level of power that the Yehudi factions had at that time. And by power we mean that they had the power to construct a narrative. They had the power to argue and debate publicly and politically. And so, it could be said that they had the power to enlist the up-and-coming Muslims back into the Zionist and the dominant status quo. And today, 14 centuries later, we basically almost have the same situation. Where Jewish political thought, restrained as it is by Zionism, Jewish political thought has now crystallized into the colonization and the occupation of the Holy Land. And by extension, it has also crystallized into a buffer colonization and occupation of the surrounding countries. And this occupation is prosecuted by proxy governments and proxy regimes that depend on their very survival on imperialism and Zionism. But today, as it was at the time of Allah's Prophet today the situation is changing. For the committed Muslims today, as they were at the time of Allah's Prophet, are now being distinguished by their desire to enter into the public space with their faith. They are taking a social consciousness that is a reflection of their yielding and conforming to Allah into the public domain. They're not abandoning their private piety, but there is more to them than a private piety. There is a social consciousness that has to find space And that has to find a place in public policy and in public law. And so these Muslims are getting away from their centuries-long hibernation. They're coming out of it. They're coming of age. But any time you have 
a Muslim in a public capacity, in a political capacity, and perhaps in a public and a political capacity, who comes out in public, in the media, in front of policy institutions, in front of governmental institutions, any Muslim who comes out today in this political climate and challenges the sacred cows of imperialism and Zionism, he is immediately, he or she is immediately labeled with this canard of anti-Semitism and defamation and hate speech. And this is what we see playing out in front of us right here in this city and in the highest offices of government in this city. But what you see happening at the highest level of government in this city is nothing but a fraud. For the most powerful political and military establishment in the world feels that it is being threatened from the most unlikeliest of sources by a woman, by a black woman, by a black woman from Africa. by a black woman from Africa who is an immigrant by a black woman from Africa who is an immigrant and refugee by a black woman from Africa who is an immigrant a refugee and a Muslim by a black woman from Africa who is a refugee and an immigrant and a Muslim and who wears hijab and they come out and they say that when you talk about the influence of APAC, that's the American Israel Public Affairs Committee, that when you talk about APAC and you talk about its influence peddling in Congress, and you talk about lobbies and the way that they use their money and their influence in order to shape legislation going into the future, that when you talk about all of that, that this is defamatory, that this is hate speech, that this is anti-Semitism. But brothers and sisters, listen to what they say about themselves. For they have one standard when they talk about Muslims speaking of injustice, and they have quite a different standard when they talk about their own as they talk in the same kind of language. And so listen to what they say about themselves. And as you're listening to this, ask yourselves if any of these people who said these words were charged with anti-Semitism, were charged with hate speech, were charged with defamation. The largest billionaire contributor to the Democratic National Campaign in 2016, to the presidential campaign, 
who himself happens to be a Jew. I'm not going to mention any names, but you can put two and two together. You'll know who I'm talking about. He said, I'm a one-issue guy and my issue is Israel. Anybody say partisanship? Anybody say bias? Anybody say polluting the, pol pol the political process? Anybody talk about campaign finance? And then you have the most notorious of the Rat Pack of New York Times colonists. columnists. In one instance he said, commenting on that war criminal prime minister of that Zionist cancer in Israel, when he came over here to the Congress and he got 23 standing ovations from a chamber that was filled with senators and representatives and others. And in commenting on that, this columnist who himself again happens to be a Jew said that all of those standing ovations from all of those congressmen and senators were bought and paid for by the Israel lobby. Anybody say anti-Semitism? Anybody say that he's tarring all Jews with the actions of one Jew? I didn't hear of it. And then in another instance, the same colonist He wrote, America's role is to applaud whatever Israel does, serve as its ATM, and then just shut up. We have no interests of our own. This is what a Jewish columnist is saying about Israel. So what's the matter here? When a Muslim speaks the truth, then he's tarred with the brush of anti-Semitism, defamation, hate speech. And yet on the other hand, when a Jew says the exact same thing, or yet even goes further than the Muslim goes, Then that same media which was squealing and sloganeering and saying all of those other hurtful things to those who speak the truth, where are they? And they're always absent when it counts. That resolution which was just passed yesterday that aims to condemn certain comments that were made about Jews over the last several decades. Comments that that congresswoman never made and never insinuated. In fact, the congresswoman never conflated all Jews with the actions of Israel or all Jews with the actions of APAC. And yet she was blamed for doing exactly that. The deceit And the lie in this whole affair 
is that the ones who are blaming her of these charges are the ones who are conflating Jews with the actions of that very country. And that is the Democratic and the Republican parties. They're the ones who are committing the crime and the one who's taking the fire and the flack and the blame is a freshman representative in that body. The one who has the least power is taking the blame and sitting under all the pressure of the ones who have the most power. And this is what the ayah in the Quran identifies. Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. لا تتخذوا الذين تخذوا دينكم هزوا ولعبا O you who are securely committed to Allah do not develop a political association with those who engage in hate speech against your deen But even though they passed that resolution yesterday, do not expect them to be fair and impartial in the way that they implement it. For the resolution was intended to stifle the truth and to perpetuate the status quo. And I don't know if any of you heard this or if any of you read this news, but the ink on that resolution was not even dry before that war criminal prime minister in Tel Aviv started saying that the free world ought to start bombing the oil tankers of the Islamic Republic when, they're inter when they are in international waters. And his rationale for bombing the oil tankers of an independent country, listen to his rationale, brothers and sisters. He says that because those shipments would be in violation of U.S. sanctions, that in fact it's smuggling and not trading. And therefore those ships ought to be bombed. Now has anybody else of all of these people that were squealing about anti-Semitism, about defamation, about hate speech, where are all of them? Have any of them come out and said that this is hate speech? Where are they? This just happened yesterday. And it's a lot more inflammatory than what the congresswoman said. But just as, as it always is, that when it comes time to close ranks with your own, you're right back in your corner, silent as a mouse. But when it comes to putting pressure on people who have no power, you're louder than the loudest ambulance in the world.
Brothers and sisters, there's a lot more to say about this. And I wish that we were here on a better day where we had more time to go into some of the details that are written down on these cards. And I really wish that we didn't have to cut it short so that we could give this subject its haq. So that we could give this subject the attention that it deserves. But unfortunately, because of the weather, we have to cut it right here. أَقُولِ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ لِي وَلَكُمْ فَاسْتَغْفِرُهُ يَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ فَاسْتُرْشِدُهُ يَرْشِدْكُمْ Alhamdulillah Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah Brothers and sisters, I'm speaking as a Muslim in America And America has a race problem That it never cogently dealt with It never dealt with it in a just manner and it never dealt with it in a manner where the parties who were deprived and oppressed could in some way going forward be satisfied. Just yesterday, there was an African American in a Colorado neighborhood who was picking up trash in front of his own house his own property he happened to be in a predominantly white neighborhood and while he was picking up the trash in front of his own house there were two white police officers walking by and they started questioning this man about what he's doing on his own property and one of them even pulled out his firearm Not thinking that it's possible for an African-American to own a property in a predominantly white neighborhood. Yes, there's a race problem in the United States that never went away. It's part of its DNA. And it's this same race problem, the one that played out in a Colorado neighborhood is playing out right here in Washington. And it's playing out in every other city and hamlet in this country. And when we talk about a race problem, by extension, there is a discrimination of religion problem. Because the religion of every oppressed person in the world is Islam. That's how it's always been and that's how it's always going to be. The United States and that Zionist cancer in the Holy Land are two peas in a pod. 
They almost have an analogous history. But there are differences. The Zionists, they don't make any apologies for the fact that they discriminate based on religion and based on ethnicity. They say that's what they're going to do and that's what they go out and do. But those that are here in this country, they talk about freedom of religion, freedom of association, freedom of assembly, But when it comes to actually implementing and executing those ideals, there's only one religion in the world that is labeled as a terror religion. And billions of dollars have been spent on creating that stereotype. And when you spend that much money in creating an image, in creating a label, in creating an invective, then you want a return on your investment. Nobody is under more surveillance than the masjids of Muslims across the country. It is said that there's some 45,000 agents who are moving in and out of Islamic congregations and Muslim assemblies. Nobody's calls and internet activity is bugged and tracked more than that of Muslims. And so you can talk about freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, and any other kind of freedom that you want to talk about. But we know at the end of the day, it's all talk. And so over there, across the ocean, you have somebody who talks about ethnic and religious discrimination and then who goes out and does what he says he's going to do and on the other hand you have somebody over here who talks about it who talks about liberation and freedom and then as far as his actions are concerned he does the exact opposite now it may be possible for a human being of honor and dignity to give some respect, a small bit of respect to, who, to he who does what he says even if he's wrong. But it's impossible for a human being of honor and dignity to give any respect to somebody who poses as an angel but in, but in reality is a devil on the inside. And that's what you have with the Democratic and Republican parties. They're devils masquerading under the cloak of freedom, dignity, and justice. Once again, brothers and sisters, keep in mind And we have divine evidence in this regard. 
that this label that is attached to the oppressed of hate speech of terrorist words of extremist paragraphs and writings that this is a charge that has always been leveled by those who have the power to create a narrative against those who have been historically and traditionally oppressed in order to cow them into fear and into not doing anything about their situation. And so let us not be cowed by those who think that they have power on this earth. For if the Muslims in particular, and by extension, the people of color in general, if there ever comes a day where they take an uncompromising stand and realize for themselves that when their freedom is in jeopardy, that in that situation, they have every right in the world to do whatever, whenever, however, by any means necessary to liberate themselves from this injustice. Even if it means that they have to take up arms, because this is their right. Nobody has the right to steal their private property. Nobody has the right to kill their children and their women. Nobody has the right to starve their babies. And when they take an uncompromising stand to this level of injustice and oppression, that is the day that they will realize that they have allies. For the vast majority of the world's people, the people of color, they are in the same boat. It's their societies that are getting destroyed. It's they who are the refugees. It's their homes that are destroyed. They're the ones who have to go across borders and live in camps. They're the ones who are starving. It's upon their homes that missiles are falling. And so when they realize that they are in the majority, then there is no power on earth that can stop them. There is no power on earth that can deny them. But in all of this, if anybody has to take the lead, that lead has to come from those who are attuned to Allah's guidance in His revealed words in the Quran. Allahumma adina al-haqqa haqqan wa zuqna al-tiba'ah wa adina al-baatila baatilan wa zuqna ajtinaabah اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات إنك قريب سميع مجيب الدعوات اللهم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار
ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى ال محمد كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى ال محمد كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر ان الانسان لفي خسر الا الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن اظلم ممن منع مساجد الله ان يذكر في اسمه وسعى في خرابها اولئك ما كان لهم ان يدخلوها الا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الاخره عذاب عظيم عباد الله ان الله يأمر بالعدل والاحسان وايتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله اكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون واقم الصلاه